Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Front Porch Tailgate. I'm Michael Scott. And I'm Byron Hazley. Welcome to the 57th episode of the podcast. That's right. We have a great show lined up for you guys today. Byron, happy Tuesday, my man. Absolutely, Mike. How are you doing, sir? You know what? I'm uh, I'm doing all right. I've uh, been sitting here ready to go on the podcast for about a half hour. I've been working on podcasts. I've been writing. I'm ready to go make a tuna fish sandwich. I'm starving. How about you? Hey, man, I'm hanging in there. Just made it back from the grocery store. Got a, uh, a little day off here trying to get some things done around the house, but loving the oh, day I'm off. Huh? Day yeah, off huh? yeah. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. I wish but, I had uh, one of those. Yeah, Mike, what do we got? Uh, we've got a full show today. I know um, we're changing our format up a little bit. We're going to do some more focused topics this week. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL, then get into some of these crazy NBA trades, and then we're going to rack things up with our picks. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's do that. We want to we want to have a little more quality and a little less quantity. I think it's exciting. So let's get things going, Mike. So let's dive right in with our NFL topic. Let's talk a little bit about these Baltimore Ravens uh, and specifically Lamar Jackson. You know, he's been a bit of an underperformer this year. Uh, Their team has pretty much underperformed what they did last year. What has been your take on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens this year? Here's my take on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens so far this year. This is a team who went very deep in the playoffs last season. Lamar Jackson played. I'm sorry, they didn't go very deep in the playoffs. They bowed out early in the playoffs last year. But this is a team who was expected to go deep in the playoffs uh, because of Lamar Jackson's MVP run. And, uh, this is a guy who just hasn't been the same quarterback. The passing doesn't seem to be there this season. Last season, uh, he was able to really set the tone and set the pace uh, with his complimentary running game. You know, you had guys like Mark Ingram out there, and the Ravens looked like they couldn't be stopped at times, no matter what they did. Well, this year, it seems like NFL defenses are catching up to that a little bit. What are your thoughts on it, Byron? Yeah, to be honest with you, Mike, I'm seeing a lot of things that I expected last year out of Lamar Jackson with some of his inherent throws, uh, teams loading up the box to stop the run and truly committing to stopping the run. Um, And they're really forcing him to stay in the pocket on those pass plays. Now, last year, he was able to run around like a madman, provide time, buy extra time, and Mm -hmm. his wide receivers would be wide open. Uh, They have no run game. 
this year, and it's been, you know, there's been a lot left to be desired on that offensive side of the ball. Now, defensively, that team has been elite. They've been one of the top teams in the NFL. Um, from a defensive standpoint, they've only given up. The most they've given up in a game is 28 points, and that was in a victory. So, I mean, they've just got – no, I take that back. They gave up 34 to the Chiefs in a loss. Mm-hmm. But um, they've been a stout defense, but they – are just constantly on the field because the offense can't put anything together. So I've been. No, I I agree with you. I think uh, Lamar Jackson, like you said, he's been stuck in the pocket all year long and teams are forcing him to beat them as a passer. And really that just isn't Lamar Jackson's game, right? Like you mentioned, he's going to run around, scramble, make throws downfield when plays break down. And that's what makes him so great. They're saying, Hey, be a prototypical NFL quarterback and show us he can beat us. Well, that's never been his strong suit. I think it's important to note that he's playing in the AFC North division, which last season was really extremely weak. Ben Roethlisberger missed a majority of the season. Uh, He was out after, I believe, two weeks with a injury that required arm surgery eventually. And then you also had a vastly underperforming Cleveland Browns team with Baker Mayfield, who looked lost at times. And then you had the Cincinnati Bengals, who were honestly a dumpster fire, purging their team and going towards a first-round pick where they selected Joe Burrow. So in my mind, that was really six games that were could be considered extremely easy for the Baltimore Ravens last season. On top of the schedule that they had you know I just this year it's a different year and uh I don't see the Ravens doing what they did last season this season well I mean we already know that because last year they were the number one overall seed got knocked off by the Titans uh Mm -hmm. coming out of the bye in the division I guess I'm saying I don't see them getting this thing turned around this year yeah well I mean they went all in they went all in from a defensive standpoint. They made some trades, got some additional talent, just trying to put more pressure on the quarterback. I think those were moves to really try to slow down Patrick Mahomes. Um, but there's more teams than just the Chiefs that you have to worry about. And more importantly, you've got to be able to score to win games, and that's something they've been unable to do. Oh, absolutely. And watching watching the game against the Patriots the other night, you know, and when the rain and the water started pouring and coming down, I was thinking one of two things is going to happen. A, Lamar Jackson is definitely not going to pass the uh, Ravens back into contention on the final drive. You could probably barely hold on to the ball out there. And then two, the other thing I was thinking is, Lord, please don't let us see this guy get his legs stuck in the mud and uh, show us another Robert Griffin incident. Mm, You know, so fortunately he was able to, escape without injury but i knew there was no there was no chance the ravens were coming back to win that football game on the final drive yeah that's definitely something you don't want to see someone's knee get snapped so yeah glad he was able to stay healthy especially being the slight guy that he is i mean but um he just hasn't really been getting it done this year so we'll see if he can figure it out um I think everything's kind of predicated on the run and they haven't been able to do anything on the run. So we'll see Mm -hmm. what happens, but I know you spoke to how poor the AFC 
what North the was AFC North division was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I wanted to focus in on was the poorest play in the NFC East. I mean, it's been pathetic. When you look at the Eagles, the Cowboys, the football team, and the Dallas Cowboys, um, or I mean the New York Giants, oof. It's been tough to look at on Sundays. I mean, really, if you think about the poorest play, it travels all up and down that uh, that East Coast, right? And uh, it goes from Dallas, and it goes all the way up to New York. And being completely honest, Byron, these teams are absolutely garbage. I don't know how else other than to react than to let people know when a team like the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, the Philadelphia Eagles, or the Washington Redskins come on TV, you might as well turn the channel. And you might as I'd rather watch pro bass fishing than watch <laughs> these guys play football because it's absolutely terrible. Yeah, they've been bad. I mean, you're talking about the leader of the division being three, five, and one. You know, it's it's bad. That team that wins the division may only have five wins. Right. And <laughs> and, and and I thought it was interesting last week when you decided to take the Eagles with your lock of the week. Terrible call. That that was my worst lock of the week call in the history of lock of the weeks for me and i apologize to anyone that took it um it was like the flop of the week i will i will revenge myself do not what if someone took a big loss will you reimburse them absolutely not i just (laughs) yeah but no i understand what you're saying though because when you think about it if you think of all four of those teams in that division what team would you say is on the upswing right now? I would say the Giants, to be honest. They've been playing teams the toughest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I completely agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Daniel Jones is starting to figure some things out. Well, not really. He's just running more <laughs> instead of handing it off or yeah, trying he to had pass. A, he had a He's nice long running. touchdown this week, and he didn't fall on his face before getting to the end zone. I believe he had two rushing touchdowns. Ooh. So what we're seeing is Daniel Dimes making progress. Maybe he's Danny Nichols for now. We'll find out more later. I don't know how much I would say he's making progress. I think he's just utilizing his legs to buy time. Maybe we'll just name him change. (laughs) But, I mean, Dallas is horrendous, right? They lost Prescott. We know that. They lack the inability, they have the inability or whatever you want to call it to actually run the football adequately, which is interesting because they have one of the top five running backs in the league, in my mind. Ezekiel Elliott's production has certainly dipped, uh, but I still consider him to be in the upper echelon of ball carriers throughout the NFL. I'd take him on the Lions, I know that. Um, And then you got the Redskins who. The best quarterback they have to offer is Alex Smith right now, and he's a guy who's fresh off of uh, returning from dying. I mean, this guy had, like, what, 17 ankle surgeries at one point from that horrendous injury a few years ago? Something like that. He's fought off infections and everything else, and I got to take my hat off to that man for his resiliency, but at the same time, that's the best the Redskins can come up with over the past three years. 
Well, it's absolutely I mean, horrible. I mean, their number one pick from a couple of years ago, you know, their first rounder, he's their third stringer. You know, they're pulling well, guys who's, off the who's street. Fault, whose fault is that? Everybody knows you don't take Ohio State quarterbacks. Well, that's the, that's the front office. I get that. But, hey, man, at the end of the day, this entire division is pathetic. Um, and this will probably be the last time you hear us reference the NFCs. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about the Eagles. Doug Peterson's a man besides himself, right? He's well on his way to losing his job. I'll tell you that right now. It's definitely a possibility. I think the Super Bowl will buy him a little bit of time, but we know how friendly the city of brotherly love can be to their I'll tell you what their coaches. If they go on a nice long losing streak then the season, he's done like dinner. Oh yeah, no, that's what I mean. I mean that's I mean that was a sarcastic statement. They're very unfriendly oh, in yeah. Philly. Oh yeah. yeah. So All right, well, let's pivot here. Let's dive into our NBA topic for the day. We're going to talk a little bit about these trades that have happened, some in speculation, some at request. Uh, Let's start things off. Chris Paul, you brought this up last week, and now it has happened. Chris Paul is headed to Phoenix. Mike, what did you think of that deal? Honestly, Byron, initially I didn't know – whether I should scratch my head or be a little bit excited. I, I was a little reserved at first because of the fact I don't know how I feel about the ball being in Devin Booker's hands less. He's obviously the primary offensive catalyst for that basketball team. But at the same time, I started thinking about the days of Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire, and I got really excited about the potential pick-and-roll combo of Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden, who's extremely athletic. And uh, I think overall this trade is really going to propel the Suns into that gray area between contender and pretender. Depending how they mesh or gel within the locker room and how CP3's personality fits, uh, we'll see just exactly what the Phoenix Suns can become in the Valley. I know he's happy to be leaving Tornado Alley. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, in my perspective, I actually like the deal more for the Thunder. They pick up Kelly Oubre, uh, Ricky Rubio, and a couple of other young guys, plus a first-round pick uh, for Chris Paul, you know, so – I mean, I think they made out in this deal. I think they will help themselves in this deal and continue to build off of that because they've got, I think they made a recent deal, if I'm not mistaken, with the Lakers sending their other point guard, Dennis Schroeder, to the Lakers for first-round pick in Danny Green. absolutely. I believe this trade really is a win-win for both organizations. I mean – between the wheeling and dealing that he's done the past few years, Sam Presti is taking the Oklahoma City Thunder into a rebuild right now. They were a playoff team last year, and through 2025, they have, I believe, 17 first-round picks now, which is absolutely mind-blowing when going through a rebuild. I mean, that's like the uh, Philadelphia 76ers process on steroids, right? And so I... I think uh, 
Presti's done an incredible job of obviously moving out that uh, top line talent and garnering assets for it, especially Chris Paul, who in my mind, although he had a fantastic year last year, um, there are concerns at times about his health. This is a guy over the last five years who's missed on average 17 games a season, which can certainly impact the Suns in a, in a run down the stretch to the playoffs when the West is so deep and so competitive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're doing a phenomenal job, as you said, attaining assets that are controllable, right? So they're getting those draft picks, something that they can control because they're not landing free agents, many high-profile free agents in Oklahoma City. And the ones that they have gotten through the draft have essentially requested to be traded or have been forced to be traded. So um, really impressive what they're doing down there in Oklahoma City, turning around that franchise. And I wish them nothing but the best. Um, Pivoting a little bit, talking about teams and smaller franchises, let's let's talk about the Bucks and what they've acquired, Mike. They've made two big deals lately. Can you tell us a little bit about those? So one deal uh, occurred late last night. Uh, the Bucks tr- made a trade with the New Orleans Pelicans. They brought in Drew Holiday. And um, I'm not sure about the full extent of the deal, but I believe they sent out three first-round picks and two future pick swaps with the Pelicans. So it allows the Pelicans to continue building towards the future, while at the same time the Milwaukee Bucks are clearly all in to try to win a title with Giannis and hopefully get him to consider re-signing and staying with the Bucks. So I've got the details of the deal All for right, you, Mike. Run it down. So for us. the Milwaukee Bucks traded Drew Holiday in a 2020, so this year's second round pick for Eric Bledsoe. The Pelicans receive Eric Bledsoe, George Hill. They get the 2020 first round pick from the Bucks. They first round swap in 2024. They get a 2025 first round unprotected. They get a 2026 first round swap with the Pelicans and Bucks. And then they get a 2027 unprotected first round pick. So they've made out pretty well. So three first rounders and two first round swaps. For yeah. I mean, it, for me, considering the fact that, you know, you throw blood. So in there, who's not an elite player, but he's a very good player. And then a guy, like uh, George Hill, who's been reliable in the league for quite some time. Um, I would have to say that the Pelicans received a massive haul for Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday is one of the better perimeter defenders in the league. I would consider him to be an elite defender. Um, But I'm not sure he's worth the haul that Milwaukee's risking. I, uh, I don't know if it's just because maybe he lacks that star power that I would think the Bucks would be looking for. Uh, we'll find out. Yeah, I think this is a, a move of desperation, Mike. I think they want Giannis to resign. They mm-hmm. want Giannis to resign. They have to have him there because if they don't have him there, they got to go into a full rebuild. So they're trying to show him 
that, hey, we're here, we're willing to do whatever it is that you want us to do in order for you to stay here because they want him as one of their centerpieces. Absolutely. And I expected the Milwaukee Bucks to go out and make some moves and do some things to bring some players in this year. I just thought that they would go out and maybe grab somebody, um, you know, maybe a little bit younger or somebody that is uh, a little more of a finite, you know, scoring threat in my opinion. Drew Holiday is very nice, but for me, he doesn't set the world on fire, you know, and uh, it remains to be seen what exactly will happen. I just, I'm left thinking if this is the type of haul that can be had for Drew Holiday in a trade, what is a trade for James Harden or Russell Westbrook going to look like? Like, my goodness. Well, I mean, over the last three years, so Drew Holiday's 29. He's gone into his age 30 season. But over the last three years, he averaged 19 and 6, uh, 21 and 8, and then 19 and 7. So, I mean, he's done, I think he's a formidable point guard, one that's better than what they gave up. But to your point, I think three first rounders is pretty hefty. I, I, I guess I like it because he can distribute the ball. He can shoot the rock a little bit. I just, when I think of Drew Holiday, I feel, I think of a guy that seems like he's been around for forever. I mean, I remember when he played with the Sixers way back when, you know, in the early days of their tanking and their rebuild. And then, uh, oh, nine to 10. You yeah, know, he was there for four years. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I've always liked him. I remember in the playoffs a couple of years ago, he was fantastic. I, uh, so I'm not trying to diminish the, uh, talent level of drew holiday i guess i just expected the bucks to maybe go out and get a different sort of player maybe more of a a a scorer you know that can shoot consistently from the outside i mean he's got a decent outside shot let's look at his three point so he's i would say so he's a career 35 percent shooter the last three seasons he's been over um He's 33, 32, mm-hmm. 35. So, I mean, and he averages about two threes made per game over those last three years. So, yeah, I get it. I think you're talking about like a Bradley Beal sharpshooter type. Yeah, like a Bradley Beal or a Buddy Heald, somebody that can go out there and knock it down and shoot the lights out for the Milwaukee no. Bucks. But, however, it, it's important to note that Giannis uh, pushes the ball up the floor a lot of times and Drew Holiday is more of a combo guard who's going to be able to play off of Giannis and shoot the three when he kicks it out so it it doesn't it it doesn't seem like it's a bad deal like I said just not what I expected but let's talk about the other deal yeah so it's good that you brought up sharpshooters because they did go out and trade for a sharpshooter, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. So he lights it up from outside. Uh, he's a 44 career, 44% three point shooter. He averages around three threes made per game last year. He averaged 15 points. So you got him on the outside with Chris Middleton, uh, drew holiday, and now you got Giannis and Brooke Lopez. I think that's far more formidable than having George Hill and Eric Bledsoe there. So I think they definitely 
took a step in that direction that you were looking. It may not be that oh, splashy definitely. name, but uh, Bogdan can shoot the lights out. Oh, yeah. I, I had him. Uh, I remember keeping an eye on him in a fantasy league I had two years ago when he was playing for uh, Indiana. And he was very, very good at the time, both him and his brother. Um, and uh, it'll be nice and it'll be interesting to see exactly uh, just what exactly he can become playing alongside Giannis there in Milwaukee. Now, in this deal, there were no picks swapped. They, uh, the Kings gave up Bogdan Bogdanovich, Justin James, and the Kings received Dante DiVincenzo, uh, Ersan Ilyavasova, and former Michigan power forward DJ Wilson. DiVincenzo, I liked him. He was one of the main cogs for uh, Jay Wright when Villanova was making that title run a few years ago. Yeah, he was a one-and-done guy. And he's uh, a guy that really burst onto the scene last year. Yeah, yeah, he did well in the bubble. Absolutely. So I think they've they've definitely improved their their team with the trades that they've made. Um, and just to kind of wrap up this segment, I wanted to touch on something I guess that happened before before you go. I guess what we can say about this in total is that you know this isn't this is a nice trade that's going to make this team get a lot better. Both of these are, but it's not really sexy, right? Like there's nothing sexy about the Milwaukee Bucks and there hasn't been since Giannis started breaking out or maybe since Ray Allen's jump shot left town, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had Michael red back in the day. He was pretty nasty. Yeah. He's, he, but I yeah, I hear you, Mike. It, it's been high and dry out there in, in Milwaukee. I think Michael red was nicer in 2k than he was in real life. You're, I think you're a bit off base. I have to pull up some stats for you. Um, I liked him in 2K. He seemed like he made every shot. Yeah, I'll pull up some stats for you. Michael Red was legit when he was healthy, and then he suffered the, essentially a career-ending injury. But, I mean, for a while there, he was – I mean, he had, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, six straight years where he was 20 plus per game and Ooh. he averaged five threes per game. So, nice. I mean, he was nasty. He was There's the prototypical, those was the prototypical modern NBA scorer before the modern NBA hit. Yeah, the shooting guard, the shoot your lights out. Um, so let's transition, right? Yeah, so let's transition here. I wanted to talk about some of these guys trying to force their way out of town. Uh, so James Harden has turned down a $100 million extension with the Houston Rockets and told them that he wants to be traded to the Brooklyn Nets. Now, mind you, the Nets have already have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I a couple of things. One, don't know the leverage that James Harden has to force his way out of there. Two, I don't know the cap situation in Brooklyn for them to be able to take on James Harden's contract because he's one of the highest paid and one of the biggest cap space hits in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But for, what's for, your thoughts on that deal? Well, Byron, for me, really, this is just the Miami Heat reloaded, right? Like we saw Chris Bosh and we saw Dwayne Wade and LeBron James team up and that was built off of their relationship as teammates playing for Team USA in the Olympics back in the day. And that's all this is here. Kyrie, Kevin Durant, 
and James Harden have built their relationship through playing together in the Olympics. And these guys really want to take it to a big media market to capitalize. They want to go through the East, which is essentially going to be, uh, I wouldn't say an easier route, but not as deep of a route as you would have in the Western Conference. And really, I don't know if I like this because on one hand, you're thinking, man, James Harden, Kevin Durant can shoot the lights out, and you got Kyrie Irving who can also shoot the lights out when he wants to and distribute. At the same time, there's one ball on the court for three guys who primarily need the ball in their hands quite often. Now, I know KD and uh, Harden played together in Oklahoma City, uh, but at the same time, Harden had to be in the second wave of players for that to work over the years, you know. And so I really don't know how getting all three of these guys on the same team is going to mesh both on the court and in the locker room because there is a lot of personality there, right? And those are some extremely emotional dudes. And I just, I don't know. To me, it spells disaster, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't agree with the take about the heat. That was something those guys waited. They didn't force their way out of the team. Now, I get the Kevin Durant, Kyrie. Yeah, those guys waited until they were free agents, and they went there. But for me, James Harden forcing his way out is completely different. I don't like that. I, I'm a guy that likes to see players play out their contracts. But from that standpoint, um, that's where I stand. But then when you get into how they would mesh together, I think you're going to see a lot of isolation balls. None of those guys really set screens for a pick and roll or a pick and pop, you know, maybe Kevin Durant, but he's a guy that is in the pick and roll, you know, he's dribbling through the pick and roll to get the shot. So I don't understand how this offense would flow, but maybe they're just going to be the Houston Rockets North if James Harden were to go there, where it's space and flow. Well, and we all saw how well that didn't work last season, right? I mean, they were another early ouster from the playoffs. The Rockets' mentality in the past to playing basketball is just something that does not work over the course of an entire season and into the playoffs, you know? that lack of size and that lack of ball movement really doesn't bode well in today's NBA. Like I, like I said earlier, you know, you have Kyrie and Kevin Durant who are going to need the ball in their hands all the time. So what's it going to be like when you have James Harden, who's used to jacking up 30, 40 shots a game, you know, this guy is going to have to play in some sort of second wave or they're going to have to rotate it to the point where there's two guys on the court at a time. And I don't really know how well that's going to go for the team. You got to throw in the fact that James Harden doesn't really play defense that well. And this team really, even if they can go out there and score a ton of points, my concern is going to be when you think of the packages that they might have to get up to bring in Harden, which Mm -hmm. is going to be multiple first round picks, probably Karis Levert, Spencer Didwitty and probably even Jared Allen, I don't think this is going to leave the team in a better position to where they're necessarily going to be a championship contender. I think they'll make a run in the East, but I also think it ends there when they match up with teams in the West, like the Lakers and the Warriors, who I think are going to be big time again this year and some of the others. 
Yeah, so I'm looking at their cap situation. They're already $7 million over the cap, right? So in order for this deal to take place, James Harden's cap hit is $41 million. So Karis LeVert is 16. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is 11. So that gets you to 27. 27. And then you would still need to make up another 13 to – 13 to 14, which would mean probably Torian Prince, um, DeAndre Jordan, Garrett Temple's only 5 million. So if you, even if you throw him in, you still got another 10 that you got to make up. So, um, yeah, this is going to really, if they bring him in, decimate the, uh, decimate the Brooklyn Nets. And really, I don't see Harden going there in the long run. I think he's got a better shot of, ending up with somebody like the Philadelphia 76ers or who knows, maybe there's a third, uh, a third sleeper team in the scenario that can actually afford uh, to give up both the money and the assets for James Harden. Yeah, absolutely. We'll ultimately see how this plays out. Um, But it's sounding like he's willing to play hardball. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I can't really see Houston giving in. They're kind of, uh, you know, they're those people that aren't going to give in. We'll trade you, but it's not going to be there. Yeah, they're 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 they've also expressed that they're willing to sit on both Russell Westbrook and James Harden well into the season. I mean, Harden's under contract for the next three years. I fully expect this to end up playing out like an Anthony Davis situation before he's actually moved later on and uh at the same at the same time um there's just so much going on in the nba right now we're going to know more um these are pre-draft trades think about what's going to happen on draft night or the weekend after you know these teams are really going to start to take shape really fast and i believe free agency is set to begin next week yeah and i've been excited for that i can't wait for free agency i can't wait for this draft that happens this thursday it's going to be really exciting mike so uh can't wait for it absolutely so let's uh let's check out of uh the nba and let's check in to the picks i know we're winding down time here Absolutely. So Mike and I both had great weeks last week. I mean, probably our best weeks to date uh, for for this season. Uh, we both had one loss, six wins, one loss. So we had a very productive week. Um, no, correction, seven wins, one loss. We were seven for eight. So wow. I'm still trailing Mike by one game. Uh, we're both well over 50%. I'm at 57%. Mike's at 59%. Um, I did, however, uh, scooch the pooch on my lock of the week through the Eagles out there at three and a half. I've got something stronger for you guys this week, but let's start with this week's picks, Mike. We're going to start local as we typically do with the Spartans and the Wolverines. So Michigan state's traveling to Maryland. Maryland is minus six. Mike, who are you taking? Um, Byron, I'm going to go with Maryland minus six. I like what I saw out of uh, Talia uh, Tungavailoa a few weeks ago. I think he's getting a little more comfortable there. And Michigan State, in my mind, just is not an adequate football team at the moment. 
Yeah, I mean, they, defensively, they're a very solid team, but offensively, I mean, they may as well go to the MAC. They, they've been struggling significantly. Um, uh, maybe they can get a transfer QB from the MAC because ours have been atrocious. Uh, so I'm taking Maryland as well, minus the six. Uh, so our next game of the week, it's Michigan versus Rutgers. Mike, do you have that spread? That was one spread I was not able to get. Um, I don't have that spread. I was thinking that I was looking at it like, is that game really straight up? But no, it's not. So let me, let me we'll come right. back to that. I'll look okay. that up and see what we got here on the interwebs. Um, so let's move forward here with the next game. We've got Indiana versus Ohio state. Ohio state is minus 20 and a half. Mike, who are you taking? Byron, I'm going to take Ohio state minus 20 and a half. I think, that Indiana is a very good football team, but I also think Ohio State's on a whole nother level. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch Justin Fields play this year, but he's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, keep in mind that although Indiana has looked extremely good this year, they've played two teams in the past two weeks that uh, were cupcakes, in my opinion. Both the University of Michigan and Michigan State have been absolutely awful this year. Uh, so I think they're going to be shocked back into reality when they play an actual heavyweight in the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, I don't know about all the cupcake talk, but... Um, what do you mean? They're still talented defensive... I mean, still talented rosters. They just haven't played that They're cupcakes. Michigan but anyways... No, because if you think about a cupcake, you think about a team like a lower level team. I I wouldn't say that Michigan or Michigan State's a lower level team. Well, when you can't put a point on the board or you can't stop anyone from running the ball at will like Michigan can't, I would consider you to be cupcakes. Well, again, we'll agree to disagree here. But getting back to the picks, I'm going to take Ohio State um, and simply for the fact that Justin Fields, he's just going to be too much for him. Um, they've got too much offense. Like I said, my Michigan – or I'm sorry, not Michigan. Uh, Michigan State was able to hold them to 24 points. They're going to need a lot more than 24 points to beat Ohio State because they are not putting up a donut like my Spartans did. Um, <laughs> so circling back here to that Michigan game. So Michigan is minus 10 heading to New Jersey to take on Rutgers. Mike, who are you taking here? Michigan is minus 10. Yes. They're a 10-point favorite 10 against point Rutgers. Yes, I want to see Rutgers. this Michigan football team go down in flames. I take Rutgers plus 10 at home all day long. <laughs> I am going to take Michigan minus the 10. Uh, for some reason, this is one school that – Jim Harbaugh just owns. He absolutely dominates them every single year. So I'll take Michigan minus the 10. I'm glad he's dominating somebody. <laughs> All right. So let's because his move performance on here. has been piss poor to say the least. This <laughs> let's year. Move on here. If they so win this we... game against Rutgers, they're squeaking it out by five points. All right. So let's take it to the Big 12. So we've got Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma at home. Oklahoma is minus seven. Who are you taking here, Mike? I have no faith in Oklahoma game. and their freshman quarterback. I'm going with, what's his name, Spencer Rattler. They are at home, but I'm taking Oklahoma State, Chubba Hubbard, and the points all day long. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you, Mike. I'm taking them with the points. Uh, I've taken Oklahoma a couple times this year, and each time they've disappointed. So I'm not going to be a fool here. Give me the points with OK State. All right, so our last game of the week, uh, two top 25 teams. We've got Wisconsin minus seven and a half traveling to Northwestern. So this is a bit of a rivalry game. Mike, who are you taking? Well, Byron, I really like Wisconsin. Their quarterback's very nice. Uh, He's looked very good in both games they've played. I think they're fresh. That offensive line is one of the most – or one of the more underrated offensive lines in college football each and every year. Uh, I just like Wisconsin. They always seem to be a very good team early on, and they falter later in the season. But we're only three games in. I'll take the minus seven and a half against Northwestern. Absolutely. I like that. I like that pick. I'm going to also go with that pick after seeing what they did in the big house last week, making that thing look so easy. I'm definitely on the badger train. Uh, Give me Wisconsin minus seven and a half. All right. So let's move on to the pro games. Uh, Let's head to green. Well, no, let's head to Indianapolis. So we've got the Packers traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. The Colts are minus two and a half. Mike, who are you taking? You know, Byron, this is a really difficult game to pick right now. Um, I'm going to have to go with the Colts and that defense minus two and a half at home because I haven't really liked. So my computer, oh, no. Are you still there? Can you hear me, Mike? Yeah, I see. I can hear you, All right, good. It popped up, said I have an unstable internet connection. I think we got to hurry up and wrap this bad boy up. But I'm going to take the Packers plus the two and a half. I like the connection that I've seen between Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers as of late. And I think if there's a weakness to the Colts defense, it's going to be out there on the edge. Um, So I'm going to take the Packers plus the two and a half. All right, so our next game, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Minus six and a half versus the Raiders. This is going to be a revenge game for the Chiefs as they were defeated by the Raiders at home. Mike, who are you taking? Uh, Byron, I really, really um, going to have to go with the Raiders and take the six and a half points. I oh. think this game is going to be close. I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I think the Raiders are going to cover the spread. Um Simply because John, or I'm sorry, uh, Gruden is, John Gruden is like a quarterback guru. He's all about the X's and the O's. This is a guy who's going to find a way to uh, keep um, Patrick Mahomes in check. Oh, okay. Keep Patrick Mahomes in check like he did much of last time. And really, the Raiders already beat him once this year. They're playing with the house money, so expect them to fully come out with their ears pinned back. Interesting. Uh, as I said in the first week home. of the picks, I'm taking the Chiefs. So I'll take them minus six and a half. I think they're going to come out pissed. They're coming off a bye week, and they're going to put up numbers because in that first game, they kind of let up off the gas, and that's how the Raiders were able to get back into the game. But I'm going to take the Chiefs here minus that six and a half. So for our last game of the week, folks, we've got the Rams traveling to Tampa to take on the Bucks. The Bucks are minus three and a half. Mike, who are you taking? 
I'm taking the Rams plus three and a half at this point. I really like the way that defense is starting to play. Um, the Bucks every couple weeks play it seems like a soft team that they put up quite the amount of points on, and it gets us all excited thinking the Bucks are legit, and then they come out and play a competitive team and fall flat. That's sort of the pattern I'm seeing, so I'm taking the Rams plus three and a half at this point. Interesting. I'm actually going to trust the GOAT here. I'm going to go with Tom Brady minus the three and a half um, to beat the Rams at home. Don't like that travel coast-to-coast stuff, so I'm going to take the Bucks minus the three and a half. All right, so Mike, let's get into our lock of the week section. Do you have a lock of the week for us, or are you retired? I'm retired. I just okay. did one in one week because I thought it'd be fun. All right, so I am going with the Patriots, minus two and a half. They're fresh off of two back-to-back victories, Um, and I think if they're going to win, it'll be by a field goal. So I'm taking the Patriots, minus two and a half against the Texans, the coachless Texans. Not not a bad pick. There is talk that Romeo Cornell maybe extended the head coaching job for the future on out. We'll see. Hopefully not. Good luck. Good luck down there. Well, I think that's it for today, right? Absolutely. We don't have anything else left on the docket? No, that's it, Mike. It's been a great show. It's been great to be on with you. It's been great for our listeners to tune in. Uh, we always appreciate it. I know um, when we see it, when you see, the, when you see the podcast shared, you know, give us some comments, tag a friend in it, you know, share it yourself. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. You know, sharing mm-hmm. is caring, as they say, as I told my three-year-old son when he was playing oh, with his cousins. Sharing nice. is caring, you know. Rate the podcast and review it and make sure you guys are subscribing to it and hitting that bell so that way every time we drop a new episode, you guys are getting a notification straight to your phone. Uh, with that being said, Byron, it's been a great day. I look forward to hearing from you more later this week. Uh, I'm Michael Scott and I'm Byron Hazley and you've been listening to the front porch tailgate. Have a great weekend. Be blessed. Love you guys.